Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a humble and contrite heart as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 10. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Thou art wearied in the greatness of the way, thy way, yet you said not, there is no hope. Thou hast found the life of thine hand, therefore you were not grieved. And of whom hast thou been afraid or feared? That you have lied and have not remembered me, nor laid it to your heart. Have not I held my peace even of old, and you have not feared me? I will declare thy righteousness and thy works, for they shall not profit thee. And when you cry, let your companies deliver thee. But the wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them. And so God speaks out against the people. And when you cry, your gods will not be able to deliver you. They will be carried away themselves by the wind. They are empty. But now in sharp contrast, he that puts his trust in me shall possess the land and inherit my holy mountain. And he shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way, take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus saith the high and the lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So God declares now his dwelling place. It is high, it is holy. But those that will dwell with him are those that are humble and those of a contrite heart. For I will not contend forever, neither will I always be angry, for the spirit should fail before me and the souls which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I angry, and I smote him. I hid, and I was angry, and he went on uh, forwardly in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. So even though they had forsaken God and, and gone in these abominable practices of the heathen, yet God promises his restoration. But to the wicked, they are like the troubled sea, which cannot rest, whose waters cast up the mire and the dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. A person who lives in wickedness, his life is like a stormy sea, just casting up dirt and filth. No rest, constant turmoil, constant troubling of the man who has set his heart against the Lord. 
Cry aloud, spare not. The Lord is commanding now the prophet Isaiah. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily. Now, there was, there was a real inconsistency here because the attendance at the temple worship had not diminished at all. People were still going through outward forms of religion. There was a popular religious movement on the surface, but the heart of the people was still alienated from God. And so there was a combination. They would go to temple and worship God, and yet they were still worshiping their own little idols and, and still following after their own, their own flesh. And, and such was the dichotomy that existed then, and such is a dichotomy today. There are people who still, on the surface, acknowledge God. And it's a surface experience, but it hasn't really affected down in their hearts and down in their lives, their way of living. And God was interested in the heart. Now, you remember when Jeremiah, who prophesied shortly after Isaiah, and during the time of Jeremiah's prophecy, and we'll be getting into that, during the time of Jeremiah's prophecy, when Josiah became the king, he was a good king, and there was a popular religious movement under Josiah, a, 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 you might say a revival. Everybody was going back to temple. And so the Lord said to Jeremiah, this young boy, now you go down to the temple and cry unto the people as they're going into the temple, saying, Trust not in lying vanity, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. In other words, God again was crying out against the fact that it was only a surface movement. It wasn't down deep in the hearts of the people. A move towards him. So here God is telling the prophet, Cry out. Let your voice be like a trumpet. Show my people their transgressions, for they seek me daily. They delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinances of justice, and they take delight in approaching God. They had a, they had a great form of, of religion. Going to hear inquiring, what does God say? And then they were complaining. They were even fasting, but they were saying to God, how is it that we have fasted and you do not see it? We've afflicted our soul and you haven't taken any acknowledgement of it. But the Lord answers them, behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and you exact all your labors. Behold, you fast for strife and for debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. You're not really fasting to seek God, but to prove a point. Is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? 
Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and acceptable day to the Lord? Do you think that I want an outward kind of a thing from you? Now, Jesus said, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites who, who like to make a big open kind of a display of their fasting. They, they get a very mournful face and, and they don't anoint themselves and all and they look very gaunt and sad. You say, oh, what's the matter, brother? Oh, I'm fasting today, brother, you know. You know oh, my, isn't he spiritual? And the Lord says, hey, don't, don't do it that way. That's not the, I don't want an outward fasting kind of a thing. If you're going to fast, let it be something really of your heart in seeking after me. Don't let it be to prove a point. Don't let it be to gain an advantage. How many times people are trying to fast just to gain some kind of an advantage with God? Force God to answer my prayer because I'm fasting. If I'm going to afflict my soul and I'm going to fast, let me do it out of a pure motive of just wanting God and more of God in my life and do it unto God, not in a big display or show. But God said, this is the fast that I have chosen. To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry that you may bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when you see the naked that you would cover him and when you hide not yourself from your own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as the morning when you read your fasting, right? Doing what God wants, fasting and, and doing. God wants you to, to set free those that are oppressed, to feed those that are hungry, to clothe those that are poor. Take of your substance and really give it to someone else. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall come behind you, will be your rearward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here am I. If you take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and the speaking of vanity. So there is a fast that God will honor. And God will be with you. He'll go before you and behind you. He'll answer you when you call. They were fasting, but it was just a formality. And then they were saying, well, why doesn't God respond? And so God answers why he was not responding. And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness shall be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in the drought and make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. So the prosperity, the blessing, the glory, if you draw out your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the old foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the paths to dwell in. And if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, 
and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy of the Lord honorable, and thou shalt honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to write upon the high places of the earth and to feed with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So the right way to fast, the wrong way to fast, the, the right purposes and the wrong purposes. And also it does also follow in the keeping of the Sabbath day, the right and the wrong way. Now in 59, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Lord, why aren't you hearing us when we fast? Why aren't you acknowledging it? Why aren't you recognizing it? Now the Lord's saying, hey, look, there's nothing. I don't have any hearing problem. The Lord's hand is not short that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. If you're not getting answers to prayer, it isn't really God's fault. The fault lies within us. And the Lord declares, my hand is not short that I cannot save, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me when I pray. God says, look, my hand isn't short, my ear isn't heavy, that I cannot save, that I cannot hear. But your sins have broken the connection between you and God. Sin can hinder your prayers. For sin breaks your relationship with God. And at that point, prayer is totally meaningless. In fact, it's perhaps a little worse. Prayer is deceitful. Because though you know that you are wrong, and you are doing wrong. So many times a person passes it off by saying, well, I know that I'm not living as I should, but I still pray. You know, I know that this is wrong. I know that this is sin and, I, and all, but I, I still pray. But wait a minute. Your prayers are totally meaningless. You're being deceived by them because God says that he will not hear. Your sin is separated between you and God. So the fact that you still pray is, is totally meaningless because you've allowed this sin in your life. And, and, and thus you are deceived by your prayer life itself, thinking, well, I'm not too bad. I still pray. God declares for your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has uttered perverseness. So one of the manners of praying was often to lift up their hands to the Lord. But God says, you're lifting up your hands to me, but they're full of blood, full of iniquity. In that sense, prayer is an insult to God. If I hold up hands before God that are full of blood, full of iniquity, that's insulting God. And surely God will not honor nor hear. Now, God said, None is calling for justice, nor any, no, no one's pleading for truth. 
They are trusting in vanity. They're speaking lies. They conceive mischief. They bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice's eggs, and they weave the spider's web. And he that eats the eggs will die. And they which are crushed, those eggs which are crushed, there breaks out into a viper. And their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us, neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, there's obscurity. We wait for brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night, and we are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all like bears and mourn like doves. We look for judgment, there is none. For salvation, it's far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee. Our sins testify against us, for our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth fails, and he that departs from evil makes himself a prey, and the Lord saw it, and it displeased him, so there, because there was no judgment. Pleased him, displeased him that there was no judgment. The tragic condition of man, and it is expressed, of course, in an extremely poetic way. And this portion of Isaiah is actually Hebrew poetry. And, and we see the, the thoughts are expressed in very picturesque ways. Crooked paths, groping like a blind man like a person with no eyes, stumbling at noontime as though it were midnight, desolate as the grave, men who dwell in the grave or as places as dead men. And God looking on the whole thing, seeing the whole perversity of man, seeing the greed of man, ruling his heart as no one is really seeking to be fair or honest or just. No one calling for justice. Everybody getting by with whatever they can. And he saw, verse 16, that there was no man and he wondered that there was no intercessor, no one to cry out against it. People just allowing it to go on. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. It remind you of Ephesians chapter 6, where we are told to put on the whole armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. 
And he put on the garment of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, and to the coast he will pay the recompense. In Hebrews it says that it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God, for we know him who has declared, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And God here speaks of this day of judgment. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. Now, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, and he has spoken of that, of that which has taken place here, the enemy has just come in like a flood. There doesn't seem to be any intercessor, anyone who is really seeking for righteousness, anyone who is really seeking for the right thing. No intercessor, and God wonders at it. And the enemy has just come in like a flood. If a person seeks to live righteous, he is sort of isolated. And when the enemy shall come in like a flood, then the spirit, because there is no intercessor, there's no man to do it, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. God intervenes and begins to work. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 57 through 59 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, give you a beautiful week, and may his words sustain you as you walk with him in fellowship. May God really begin a powerful work in your life. May the Spirit of the Lord just really rest heavy upon you. May your life be like a light shining in a dark place, that others might be drawn to that light and find the source of the light even Jesus. So God bless you and give you a rich week in fellowship with him. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Come study the Bible with Pastor Chuck Smith as he teaches from Genesis through Revelation on a digitally remastered audio edition of Pastor Chuck's Bible Commentary. That's over 600 audio MP3 files of Pastor Chuck teaching through the entire Bible. 
all on a 16 gig reusable flash drive. Now you can easily listen to Pastor Chuck's Bible commentaries when you insert this key into your computer. Then you can transfer all of these audio Bible studies to a smartphone or any other listening device to learn and study God's Word on the go. And not only that, you can reuse this flash drive that easily fits onto any keyring for even more mobility at a fraction of the cost. What a great way to study and learn God's Word. For more information, please call the Word for Today at one 800 272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.